Recap the Daytona 500, a historic win for rookie Austin Cendrick in just his eighth career start. We'll give you our thoughts and also look ahead to this weekend's race at Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California. Plus, we will have our news and notes and our Ask David segment coming up at the end of the show as well. David Starr joins us. As always, David, first week of the NASCAR season officially in the books. How are we doing? Man, doing great. A little tired, but doing great. Man, what an awesome, awesome weekend of racing in the NASCAR Camp World Truck Series, Xfinity Race, and the Daytona 500. Man, uh, the Great American Race Weekend did not disappoint anybody. It uh, It was intense. It was exciting. Crazy crashes. Drivers mad at drivers. It was awesome. Yeah, it certainly was. And Dominic Oregon from the RacingExperts.com is also here with us as well. And Dom, you know, we built this up last week uh, here on the Studio Soapbox Network as our best week ever. And, you know, our audience delivered. We had great numbers. We, the three of us had a, had a hell of a time together out in Daytona, just join ourselves and seeing some great racing action. Um, just a lot of fun the last couple of days. I'm still kind of catching my breath a little bit here. Hey, I feel you that. And I echo David there. I'm a little tired, but I'm making it work. A lot of fun on the podcast, how we take these midweek. But Daytona was so much fun. It was great to see both of you. And it's always awesome. I think we get a lot done when we are in person, even more so than what we do when we're virtually. So a lot of fun with that. Having Jacques Villeneuve on the show Saturday night was awesome as well. And great racing, great three days of action, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday between the openers with the truck. Xfinity and Cup Series. Yeah, it was definitely we can remember, and you guys certainly made it memorable. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, David, uh, I know that uh, we, we didn't really talk about this much Saturday because we were looking more so ahead to the 500 and, and Jacques Villeneuve and such. But uh, the Xfinity race, uh, I mean, came up just a little bit short on on making that race. Tell me about just that process and and what happened there? I mean, you guys, in, in case people don't know, because I know that some folks don't understand exactly how, the, how this all this works. Owner points, uh, you know, I mean, you, you guys didn't have any coming in that kind of put you behind the eight ball to begin with. It was it, it was tough uh, going in ahead of time as is. Yeah, uh, man, Tyler, uh, no doubt about it. You know, I never even, you know, in a million years – considered what happened to us, you know, it never crossed my mind, you know, uh, I don't believe I've, I've, you know, I can't remember. It's been years. Can't remember the last time we didn't make a race, you know, and, and, um, you know, when I, uh, when Bobby Dodder and Jason Miller came to me about racing the second car for SS Greenlight racing and driving a Ford, uh, Mustang with Ralph Shades power underneath the hood, man, that's, that's all I needed to hear, you know, and uh, I was in, you know, especially with uh, my teammate Joe Graff Jr. Uh, being, a, you know, exclusive for manufacturer back for team. Uh, I'm like, man, this is a great opportunity for me. Even though I had to give up five races throughout the season, I was okay with that. Uh, but, man, I, I never, never even crossed my mind, buddy, that, uh, you know, that we were – 
you know, I knew we didn't have a provisional, but I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, it's still, you know, you don't think about that kind of stuff, you know, it's never really ever happened to me. Uh, but, you know, once practice started our Ford Mustang, you know, it, uh, I think our, our first run, our splitter was hitting the racetrack a little bit. And, you, you know, when your splitter's rubbing the track, that's, you're just, that's scrubbing off speed. And we had a right rear wheel bearing that was getting washed out. The grease in the bearings getting washed out by the gear fluid, by the rear end gear oil, because we had these tiny axles in the rear end. And, uh, you know, but, but, you know, once uh, we made our first run and, you know, it takes about 10, 15, 20 minutes to make a run because they're at a two, two and a half mile super speedway like Daytona. When you pull off pit road and uh, you come off the back straightaway, if you can see another car somewhere down the back straightaway or see it going into turn, turn three there at Daytona National Speedway, then they're disturbing the air enough where it's helping you. You know what I mean? So to get a clean run, we only made two runs. It, it took us a while. And uh, once I made that first run, uh, I told Jason, hey, I think it's hitting the splitter pretty hard. They had to, they jacked the car up and was looking, looking it over. And obviously they were going to have to raise the front of the car, you know, just, you know, a 16th or an eighth inch, whatever it was. Uh, and then they discovered that right rear hub leaking gear oil they had to fix that but when we finally made our our last run uh towards the end of the practice session you know we we picked up about four tenths and and ran a 50.14 which if that would have run that exact same time in qualifying we'd have made the race you know that was kind of like what's puzzled puzzled me about this but uh you know to me uh the ford the ford uh the Roush H4 power, which has always been awesome ever since I can remember, and I'm sure from you guys as well, uh, Doug Yates, Robert Yates have always had, you know, pole-winning Daytona super speedway cars. And, uh, you know, for some reason, it looked like to me like the Ford power cars were struggling. Uh, in practice, I, I saw a bunch of Chevrolets up near the front. And uh, uh, talking to Jason Miller, my crew chief, you know, we talked about things and, and uh, he said, hey, we're going to be great because uh, I didn't tape up the whole nose. We only had half the grill taped off and, and we didn't have max skew in the rear of the rear of the car to get the, you know, the spoiler out of the air. And, uh, you know, so we really thought we were going to run like a 4990. And uh, uh, we came back the next day. And, uh, man, we ran a 50.26, and I was shocked, man, because, you know, as a driver, there's not much you can do. You know, coming off turn two in practice, I'm shifting into fourth gear. Uh, but in qualifying mode, man, I got up through the gears quick, and I was way off into fourth gear way before I came off turn two. And you're scraping the wall. You're trying to make that lap as big and wide and get that car up to speed quickly. And, uh, you know, you, you just hold a pretty wheel. You know, when I say that, you don't want to turn the wheel left or right. You know, you don't want to have to turn the steering wheel any more than you need to. Because if you turn in the steering wheel, the front tires are turning. You're scrubbing off speed. And, uh, you know, I'm like, man, that was, a, that was a really great lap. And I was really surprised when I pulled down Pit Road. And I heard, uh, and I was talking to Jason on the radio and he told me what we ran. I'm like, wow, that's, we went slower, 
uh, taping up the grill completely, max skew in the rear end. We didn't have all that the day before. We went slower. So, man, I, I was puzzled. And uh, or even at that, I still didn't think that we were going to go home. And I think the car, we were the first one to miss the race. And there were cars that qualified behind us that raced, you know what I mean? But from a, a time standpoint, I think the last car that got in on time ran a 50.22, and we were a 50.26. I mean, you can't even measure that, you know what I mean? That's, that's tight. But we never should have been, you know, we should have never should have been there. But, uh, you know, it seemed like to me, I mean, I know Ford, they got a great racing program and Roush Yates Motor have always been a powerhouse. And, and uh, but for the Xfinity side, that one lap that you need to qualify that everybody's got to run, I felt like the Ford, uh, the Roush Yates, you know, I don't know if it was a car or engine, but it struggled, you know, it was a little bit of a struggle uh, for speed. And I was talking to Jason Miller, my crew chief, and he said, this car that you're driving right now last year finished second in that race there at Daytona and it qualified 15th, but it was a, it was a Chevrolet car then, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, and, and you're just puzzled, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, once you find out, Hey, you know, it's a possibility we may not be in the race, man. It never even crossed my mind. And, and, uh, Man, it was, uh, you know, I'd be lying sitting here tell, telling you lies like somebody put a knife in my heart and twisted it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember last time I didn't make a race, you know. And, man, especially at Daytona, man, our car looked great. Ticket Smarter, Digital Li, Brett Bear, Special Report. I mean, the car looked awesome. It was great. And, man, never did I ever think – in my wildest dream that we were going to go there and miss the race, you know, but, but, you know, uh, you know, we, we've, we've all been there. Somebody was just telling me the other day, I think Sunday at Daytona and say, Hey David, remember two or three years ago when Roger, a couple of Roger Penske cars didn't make the Indianapolis 500. I mean, it happens, you know, we had Jock Villeneuve was, we interviewed Saturday night and I didn't know this, but I guess he was down in Daytona. 13, 12 years ago, whatever it was, and he messed the Daytona 500. He's a, you know, Formula One world champion, you know, Indianapolis 500 champion. But, you know, you, uh, as much as it hurts, and I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, it, it, it was uh, it was hard to accept that. But once, you know, no excuses. I mean, it happened. And, you know, once you, you get knocked down as fast as you, you, your body hits the ground, you got to bounce back up and keep digging. You know, we're fighters, we're winners, and uh, you can't let that slow you down for the future. So, you know, my, my team's working hard and, uh, and we'll rebound, but that one hurt, man. I, I didn't see that one coming in. A, you know, I didn't see that one coming, but, but it happens. It, it's part of, part of the business we're in, but, Dude, I would have right. never thought that, you know, and the people behind me that I did out qualify, I think three or four of them got to run the race, man. <laughs> that was tough. Yeah. So along those same lines, you talk about this, uh, you know, the, the shock to the heart that it was and, you know, that, you know, it, it did affect you, you know, and, and obviously so. But now that you're, you're off this week with, uh, you know, with the Stuart Haas guys taking the, the 08 car this week, that's one of their races, you're doing your racing school. Then you come back the next week and run Las Vegas with having to wait 
two weeks for your season essentially to, to start, does that make the desire even go up a bit? Does, does the motivation I, – I know you were already motivated very high and such. Are, are you even more hungry than you were now to, to get this season going and on the right note here? Well, you can't – like you said, you can't motivate me anymore. And uh, that desire to get back into victory lane and desire just to be competitive and to race, man, there's nothing – Man, you know, it's hard to describe it to people, but man, that that from the from the first race I ran in NASCAR, you know, 24 years later, 25 years later, that same desire, passion, uh, you know, people say, are you hungry? I said, man, I'm starving. You know what I mean? I just I want to compete. I want to, you know, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to win another race or two, you know, be competitive week in and week out. You know, that's never gone away over the years. In fact, it, it burns hotter in my body. You know, that's what I think about. You know, I, I live, eat, and sleep what we do. Uh, you know, it seems like the older I get, the more I, I want to even win more. You know, it's it's crazy. But, uh, uh, you know, I've been doing this for so long. I'm excited that, that I'm going to Vegas here in, in, in two weeks. Uh, uh I, I think about California. I've always ran great at the California uh, uh, racetrack, uh, two mile super speedway, man, we run up against the wall. I've always ran great there and, uh, to not to run that race, which I knew when I signed my deal with SS green light, that that would be one of the five races that I wasn't going to run. You know, it's like, man, you, you can't dwell on it too much. It'll drive you crazy. You know what I mean? You just got to focus, you know, obviously I have a racing school this weekend, uh, keeps my mind, my mind off thinking about, you know, if I didn't have a racing school this weekend, I'd probably be at the racetrack in California with my team, uh, really driving me crazy. You know what I mean? But, uh, but now that I'm so busy, ever since I landed from Daytona Sunday night, man, I've just been, you know, all about getting our cars ready, getting, getting my, uh, my racing school ready for our, our weekend this weekend, but man, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think about it all day long, you know, I can't wait to get to Vegas because, uh, I want to race, you know, and, and I want to race, I want to race because I want to race to win and I want to race to run good. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's there 24 seven. I couldn't even last night, you know, uh, I worked at my shop all day long and got home pretty late last night, made it to my son's basketball game and, Hell, by the time I got in bed, it was midnight. You know, it's three o'clock in the morning, you know, and I get, I'm just thinking about racing. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, there's everything. And I, you know, I got to write something down, but I'm like, man, I wish I had a switch. You know how we got a power switch in the race cars where you just turn the power off? I wish I had one for myself because, man, I can't stop thinking about, you know, uh, Daytona. I uh, can't stop thinking about, Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, I had a conversation of several conversations with my crew chief thinking about what we were talking about with some arrows stuff on the body and chassis stuff. And I just, you know, if you could just turn it off where you could get a good night's sleep to do yourself a favor, you know, I just, it just, you know, you, it's hard to turn all that off, you know, and, and just, and I think it goes back to just my drive and my passion to race and to be competitive. You know, I'm always thinking about it, you know, and I'm thinking about it so much. I can't even sleep at night, man. It's nuts. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking to David Starr. Let's go racing with David Starr. Looking back at the weekend that was in Daytona and uh, allow us to uh, shift gears and transition to that Daytona 500. Uh, Dominic, uh, you, you, you love to look at the historical perspective as much as anybody. And, and I mean, last year we talked so much about the upset of Michael McDowell. This to me, I know that, you know, Centric was driving for Roger Penske, but being just his eighth career start, this felt like just as big of an upset uh, as uh, as the McDowell one was last year. I mean, we don't talk about guys this early on in their careers winning the Daytona 500. The, the only one that comes to mind is, you know, Trevor Bain uh, only had uh, a couple starts before getting his Daytona 500 win. I mean, this is very rare for somebody to do this at that that young in their career. And it's going to be career changing. So no matter what happens here on out, this kind of, and, and David, I'm curious to get your take on this too. I feel like as an outsider, right, looking at the, somebody who's never raced a NASCAR, of course, but somebody just who has observed the sport over the years, when you win a championship or you win the Daytona 500, your resume is forever padded with that. You carry so much more stock with you that you're able to do a lot more things had you maybe finished second in that race that maybe those fruits wouldn't have been able to have been pulled. I think of Derek Cope as a great example, Tyler Cope won the Daytona 500 early in his career too. He won another race that season in 1990, the Whitcomb car, I believe in, in 90, but only two career wins, but Tyler, he was attempting the Daytona 500 as recent as last year. And that 500 changes your life. I think even Clint Boyer had said, there's guys still racing that have won the Daytona 500 because it changed. And, and David, it just seems like no matter what happens in Austin Cindric's career, we're going to be able to say he was a Daytona 500 champion, and that will forever have that added stock, if you will, to Austin Cindric and how he carries himself. No matter what happens here on out, he will always be a Daytona 500 champion, and that's going to alter the course of his career. Man, Dominic, you uh, you guys hit it. You know, it's you're right on target there. Uh, Austin Cindric is the Daytona 500 champion. It's life changing. Uh, you know, uh, you ask any competitor, any NASCAR driver, there's not a lot of us in the truck series, Xfinity series, cup series. And it, you know, I think everyone would probably tell you if there's one race they could win, it would be the Daytona 500. Nobody's ever going to take that away from Austin Cindric. And man, he might be a rookie, but he didn't race like a rookie. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, man, he, he, uh, he you was know, aggressive. very aggressive. He pushed Brad Keselowski for a long time. You know, he shoved and bumped draft several people to the front of the rate to the front. Uh, he was going to be a, a force to be reckoned with for the win in the Daytona 500 and uh, nobody gave it to him. He earned it. Uh, he does drive for Roger Penske. It was kind of interesting to see Brad Keselowski's old car pushing Brad Keselowski in the number six. I thought that was kind of interesting, but not surprised that Centric ended up in Victor Lane because he was strong from the time they dropped that green flag. Uh, he was strong. He was strong uh, during the duels. All the Fords were. But, man, he, he, he let his presence be known from the start of the Daytona 500 that that he was going to be one of the guys you were going to have to beat to win that race. And, uh, man, not shocking and uh, good for him. You know, it's uh, to be so young and be a rookie. I mean, 
you know, good for him. People, I heard a little bit of rumblings yesterday. Somebody had people around me. Somebody said, well, Manny drives for Roger Penske. Dude, it don't matter who you drive for. Uh, he, he raced, he was a hell of a race car driver. He drove a perfect race. You know, there was stuff happening all around him and he avoided it. And man, he, nobody gave him the Daytona 500. He, he earned it with his ability and uh, with a strong race car, a strong team behind him and congratulations to him. Uh, you know, he, he uh, it could, it could end tomorrow for him, but man, it, it's life changing. He will always be a Daytona 500 champion, just like Derek Cope. It was life changing for Derek Cope and uh, for anybody, anybody involved in our industry, everybody's shooting or, or doing everything they can to do what Austin centric did Sunday. Well, and Dominic too, he's now in the playoff. Um, you know, that's for certain. And you look at his track record on road courses. He's done a heck of a job on that front, the Xfinity series. And he ran strong in the uh, cup uh, road courses. He ran last year. There's a chance. This could be one of the best rookie seasons ever that we've seen that Austin Cendrick that won't be the last that we've heard from him in 2022, that we could see him in victory lane very well again this year. Uh, I mean, we don't talk about rookies get, having multiple race wins and being playoff contenders. It's just, this doesn't happen. Austin Cendrick very well could. Absolutely. And I think Tyler, we had talked about it on a previous show, maybe a few weeks back when we were kind of going over some 2022 predictions. And I think we went around the room and we had said, Austin Cendrick is going to be a guy to watch out for on those road courses. And I think as you told me at the end of the season, yeah, Cendrick's going to win a race and make the playoffs. I would agree with that. I think wholeheartedly look at a track like the circuit of the Americas or road America, somewhere where we have seen him run well. And when he ran that limited schedule and cup last year, he ran well. I believe he even won a stage, won a pole position, or qualified up front when they did have qualifying. I'm not surprised Austin Cedric's a winner. Had you told me the Daytona 500, you're like, well, that's a that's a little soon. But yeah, I mean, there's guys Tyler in that field that have been trying for years. So many past champions of that sport: Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex, Kyle Busch come to mind that have yet to cross the line first in the Daytona 500. Kyle Larson, most recent champion. Chase Elliott, right? Some of these big name guys that have yet to win the 500 and Cindric did it in his second attempt. And you talk about those rookie numbers and those rookie stats. We know Cindric is going to be in the playoffs. Like you said, if Harrison Burton doesn't make the playoffs or Todd Gillen, it's over. Austin Cindric is your rookie of the year at the end of the regular season because of the way NASCAR does it based on straight up points you earn throughout the year. But this could shape up to be one of the best rookie seasons in memory. I think back to Chase Elliott in 2016, running top 10 consistently, finished 10th in points. Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Newman, the rookie battle of 2002, where they were both fifth and sixth in points. Tony Stewart in 1999, he knocked off three wins, finished fourth. Don't forget Kyle Busch in 05 with two wins. He, yeah, he knocked off two wins, did not make the playoffs, but he won two races. So there's so much to look at here. We're so early in the year. Cindric is shaping up to have a really good rookie year and would not be surprised if he's top 10 in the points at the end of the year. Well, and David, uh, you raced in that Xfinity finale last year that came down to the very last lap when Austin Cedric gave up the lead to Daniel Hemrick at the line, and Daniel Hemrick was able to get his first career Xfinity win and take the title away from Cedric after Cedric had been the favorite all season long. 
And even with transition to cup, moving on to the two team and, and the legacy car at Penske, that's not just any car. That is the car at Penske that two car team is. It was still lingering in the back of his mind. He said that was still something he was thinking about. He had not let go of what happened back in Phoenix uh, last November. And he's won the Xfinity Championship before. But now he wins this Daytona 500 here. To me, that was fascinating to hear that from Austin of how much drive and motivation he still had, that he still wasn't over what happened in uh, in Phoenix. If anything, I, I, it may have even helped him, uh, you know, made him, made him hungry, that desire of some sorts, uh, coming in with a chip on his shoulder of some sorts uh, to begin his cup career here. Yeah, uh, you know, you always forget about the ones that you should have won, you know what I mean? And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Cedric was the class of the field there at the last race there in Phoenix for the Xfinity Championship. And uh, with the caution right there at the end, changed the complexion of the race, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, 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 our champion um, – you know, he snuck up in there, got into turn three, got back to the gas quicker. And, you know, just it was just a racing thing, you know what I mean? But, uh, but you know, he just barely walked, lost it by inches. And, uh, you know, I, I get it. You know, you do, you, uh, it's hard to let go of that. You know what I mean? But one thing about it, he, he, he'd let go of it Sunday. <laughs> I'd give up losing a championship by an inch or two. To, to win the Daytona 500, no problem. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you know, it's just, uh, you don't forget about those ones, you know, and, and uh, you know, Cedric, you know, should have had another championship, you know, came down to the last lap, you know, uh, coming to the, to the checker flag and losing it by an inch or two inches, whatever it was, man, that's, that's, that's a tough one to accept, but man, when he saw the Daytona, the checker flags wave to be the Daytona 500 champion, anything that's ever happened to him that's been a challenge or, or disappointment, man, I don't even think he thinks about it today. <laughs> well, David, what really struck me in that media center, they pulled him in and he gave about 45 minutes of his time to the print media that night in Daytona. And there was a, a very – there was a lot of humility with what Austin had to say and, and looking back and reflecting to where he had gotten his career at that point in 2018, running the Xfinity series. And Dave, you were full-time in the Xfinity series that year too. He talked a lot about tearing up race cars and not running well in the equipment that he had and how had somebody told him he would have been a 500 champion, he would have never believed it. But the journey that Austin's injured had from running that split schedule with Roush and Penske in 2018 to winning races, to winning a championship, Dave, he said it best. He said, if I had to lose an Xfinity championship to win a day 2500, it was well-deserved that he would do it every time. Absolutely. You know, we just, um, you know, you're just, anytime you get in a race car, I don't care if it's a dirt track, South Carolina, asphalt track in Houston, Texas, wherever, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're learning, you're getting better. Um, you know, like, like, you know, Austin, you know, he's a great race car driver. Daytona 500 champion now, but, you know, it's just, hey, we all have careers that start somewhere and, and you get better and better and learn this and understand this. And, uh, but man, you know, all the, all the, you know, the journey to this point for him with the challenges that have presented itself to him in our sport, in which it 
the challenges present themselves to almost everybody involved in the sport. And it's the ones that keep digging. You know, you, you, you can reflect sometimes when you win the Daytona 500 and you are the champion, you can reflect on, you know, just, you know, two or three years past, you know, you know, how, how challenged something was. And, uh, you know, it's a great story, you know, just a great story. And, uh, man, I, I think he, uh, he's going to be a great 500 champion and, uh, man. And, and I think what you guys were talking about earlier, uh, you know, we ain't heard the last of Austin Center. You know what I mean? He, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be a powerhouse this year. He's got the organization behind him. Uh, he has the ability and the want to and the desire. And, uh, man, they're gonna, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with for the championship, my, my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. The other thing that stood out to me, guys, this weekend was the Blue Ovals with the Fords. Now, we talked about in qualifying how Hendrick Motorsports <laughs> and the Chevrolets just dominated qualifying. But once we saw race trim, with the duels and then the race itself, the Fords were on another pedestal. Centric first, Chase Briscoe third, Ryan Blaney fourth, Eric Almarola fifth, McDowell seventh, Brad K ninth. I mean, all up and down that leaderboard. Ford, Ford, Ford. Something about these Fords, David, they had it figured out. Maybe not necessarily in qualifying, but in race trim, the Fords were uh, were so good from from the jump and and uh, in RFK Racing, uh, I, I know that it's it's Penske ultimately that comes away with the victory, but I think the team that really comes away this weekend feeling good about themselves going forward is uh, is that Roush bunch with Keselowski with getting sweeping the dual races and then Brad finishing the top ten. Uh, good weekend for Ford and and a great debut for this uh, new RFK Racing team. Man, no, no doubt about it. You know, Ford, uh, you know, they, they, they come to, to win championships and win races, you know, and, uh, you know, they got an awesome program and, uh, you know, uh, you know, the Ford power, the route, route shape power, power plant underneath the hood of these cup cars, they give up a little bit, like you said, qualifying, but man, when they drop the green, that's what it's all about. Nobody remembers where you qualify at. It's, it's, you know, how you finish the race how your car, car runs and performs through, throughout the race. And, man, even though we saw the dominance of, of Hendrick Motorsports and the other Chevys uh, at the front of the qualifying order, but, man, once they dropped the green flag, man, the Fords came to the front. And, you know, I, and it's interesting because it seemed like the, the Ford family uh, on the cup side they were really engaged with each other and, and they worked well together. And uh, man, like you were talking, Tyler, they were all up near the front pretty much the whole entire race. And it's amazing how they all worked well together with each other to help all the Fords helped each other. And, you know, I saw out there, you'd have a bunch of the Toyota guys running together, a bunch of the Chevy guys running, but, you know, it's just believing in a, in a program, I'm sure Ford and, everybody involved with the uh, Ford racing uh, with the crew chief, the engineers and, and the powers to be, you know, said, Hey, if we're going to win the Daytona 500. We need to come together as a manufacturer. And man, we saw that. We saw that so well in the duels and we've seen it working 
to the best of its ability during the Daytona 500. But their Fords were strong like they always are. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here, my my question for you two, because you know me, I was looking at the numbers and looking at the stats and Austin Sindrick and his drive in the Daytona 500. He does have a chance at NASCAR history this week. And I want to ask you how realistic you all think this could be. Only three times has it happened in NASCAR history where the winner of a points awarding Cup Series race for the first time goes and backs up that win. The drivers to do that include Ned Jarrett, Bill Wade, Billy Wade, rather, and Dick Linder. And it hasn't been done since 1964. Tyler, start with you. How likely do you think Austin Sindrick could go back to back and break that for the first time in almost 60 years? That's not happened. <laughs> no, <laughs> what do you think about happened. it, dude? <laughs> Dominic? Did you say Billy Wade? Billy Wade. Billy Wade was from Houston, Texas. And uh, uh, I read a lot about Billy Wade and a lot of history books and stuff. He's from, he raced in Playland Park, Myers Speedway in Houston, Texas. And, uh, in fact, I know his daughter, and that's pretty cool that he's in the record books. I had no idea about that. But, uh, you know, I, to be honest with you, uh, and, you know, I heard uh, Tyler didn't really – he said no way. But, man, the way those Fords ran at Daytona, and then you go on to another two-mile super speedway, um, you know, uh, they might not qualify good. But, man, you know they're going to race good. And, man – I I would put my money on Centric this week, uh, seeing how good he ran in Daytona. You know, I it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Austin Centric ended up in victory lane with with the powerhouse team he drives for and you know, just everything the, the manufacturer support. I mean, man, they're uh, right now they're hitting on all eight cylinders, and it it, it wouldn't surprise me a bit. I'd I'd be very surprised if a rookie goes back to back to start the season, but. Uh, we'll see. Um, how about this, guys? Uh, the official debut of the next-gen car. We didn't see a whole lot of pack racing. It looked very similar to what we saw in the early 2000s of, uh, you know, the, the draft being, you know, two, three, four cars, a lot of single-file stuff. Um, but it was still exciting. And, you know, we had some wrecks, but not – you know, a, a huge amount of collateral damage like we're used to talking about in some of these uh, plate races in the past and such. Very entertaining race. Goes overtime right down to the line and such. Uh, I was impressed. I liked what I saw from this next-gen car. Let's go around the room. How would you grade the debut of the next-gen car? Uh, let's start with you, Dominic. How would you grade the next-gen car for its debut on a scale of, you know, A to, to F? Sure, I would give it an A. I think there was so much around surrounding the next-gen car. The class certainly made the hype around the Daytona 500, I think, even more amplified. And I think it delivered. We saw great racing. We saw side-by-side -side racing. We saw single file. We saw some great battles for stage innings. We saw crashes. We saw how the car held up when the car flipped with Harrison Burton's crash in the middle of stage one. We saw a great finish. I think... It certainly delivered on its expectations. I think it got an A for me. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, second that, uh, Dominic. I'm going to give it an A as well. I think the racing was great. Um, you know, uh, the car was durable. Um, uh, car was safe to see what happened to Harrison Burton and uh, how strong the cars were. Some of the cars hit the wall 
I mean, it really didn't look like it hurt them that bad. Uh, but man, the racing was still good. Uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, from from Daytona's past, uh, you know, with uh, 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 what am I trying to say here? Uh, you know, I think the drivers did a great job uh, uh, navigating the first race for the next gen car. Uh, you know, there was a lot of beating and banging, a lot of pushing, but it wasn't a physical race like it had been in the past. But uh, but I'd have yeah, to rate it. A, I'd have to rate it an A. You know what I mean? It was just uh, it, it like like you guys were saying, it had everything. It had side by side racing, great drafting. The low line would dominate for a little bit and then they'd get the outside working and the outside dominated and they start working on the bottom and you know, the wrecks, uh, you know, the bump drafting and, and bump drafting on somebody coming off a corner sometimes works and sometimes it didn't. But, man, I uh, I, uh, I thought it was an exciting weekend, exciting race. And, uh, and, man, I'm excited about the rest of the season to see how this next-gen car holds up. And uh, uh, But I think it's going to be a great season with everything. So I, I give the Daytona 500 with the next-gen car a, a definitely a big A. All right. Um, I'll, I'll be the tough professor. I'll give it a B because I, I'm a big fan of pack racing. and we I don't think we saw enough pack racing. I would like to see more pack racing. And so with everything else you mentioned, I'm not saying you guys are wrong at all. I agree with almost everything both you just said, but I would have liked to see more pack racing because of that. I drop in a letter grade. I'll give it a B. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I can agree with that. And I think a lot of that was, you know, it was kind of interesting. It was just the way the strategy was playing out, you know, and, you know, uh, the manufacturers, they were all pitting at different times and it, it spread the field out. You know what I mean? I don't think, that the front of the field drove away from the, the, you know, from the second part of the field. I just think the way the pit strategy was playing out, it separated them a lot, you know, but, but I agree with you, uh, Tyler, there was not the big pack type racing that we've seen in years past, you know what I mean? But when it came down to it, man, it was a, uh, it was a hell of a race. Yeah, it certainly was. It was. Uh, guys, let's go ahead and get to our uh, news and notes segment. Dominic, uh, time for you to take it away. What's uh, happening in the motorsports world? Well, ahead of the Daytona 500 on Sunday, Chase Elliott and Hendrick Motorsports announced that they were agreeing to an extension. Chase Elliott's not going anywhere, guys. He's going to be piloting the nine car at Hendrick Motorsports through at least the year 2027. Contract announcement came Sunday ahead of the Daytona 500. And that just shows that Hendrick Motorsports, Jeff Gordon with his leadership, Rick Hendrick, they believe in Chase. They believe in what he's doing. Elliot's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, that news uh, coming in, no surprise. I mean, you know, Chase Elliott's been their golden child since he was 15 years old. You know, and, um, his next contract after this, David, is probably going to be the lifetime contract that Hendrick eventually offers his drivers uh, – when they've reached that point in their careers, he's going to be in that, that Napa nine car, his whole career at Hendrick Motorsports. It was only a matter of time um, before he got this big deal. It's well-deserved and it's uh, there's no reason why they should break up. It's a win-win for both Chase and for Rick Hendrick. Yeah. I mean, and Tyler, I, I totally agree with you. Why, why was you 
you know, why, why did it take this long? Hell, you know, with, you know, it's Chase Elliott, you know, uh, cup series champion, uh, you know, just, you know, he's, he's, I mean, yeah, you know, it's just, he ain't going anywhere. I mean, Jeff Gordon, Rick Hendricks, Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, he's, he's a gold, golden child has been for a long time, will be for, for a long, long time. And, uh, I'm surprised they just now gave him the contract. You know what I mean? When I learned that, I was kind of surprised by that. It's like, man, I would have thought they'd have locked him down a long time ago. You know what I mean? Because they don't make him too much better than Chase Elliott. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, why, why would you ever break up or consider <clears throat> breaking up a championship caliper team organization? Now, Chase Elliott's a major part of it his crew chief organization. I mean, hell, you just, you don't mess with the championship caliper team. And uh, we're not surprised that he got an extension. And, and, I, and I agree with you guys. I think he'll be there forever. Yeah. Well, and Dominic, uh, we heard from Rick say that the next deal for them is to get William Byron uh, extended. And they already have, you know, Kyle Larson uh, with a couple more years added. Alex Bowman got a new contract recently for Hendrick Motorsports. This is going to be their lineup for a long time. This is a group that basically has come up together, almost all four of them. And we've never talked about that with Hendrick Motorsports. Usually it's been a couple of veterans and a couple of young guys. And then one guy's out and, a revolving door of some sorts, but these four guys, I don't think it would shock anybody if these four guys all race at Hendrick Motorsports for the next 10 years. You're onto something there, Tyler. There's consistency in the Hendrick Motorsports camp, and they have shown time and time again why they belong, why they're there. William Byron, two wins, but the consistency that he has shown, he's gotten better every year. He finished top 10 in points for the first time last year, picked up the win at Homestead Miami Speedway. He's had an all-around consistent year. Alex Bowman with four wins last year. Chase Elliott, the defending champion entering 2021. And Kyle Larson, the current defending champion. Hendrick Motorsports has won the driver's title the last two years. Why would you want to fix something that isn't broken? Right. I mean, David, uh, I know that Hendrick has had Jimmy Johnson and Dale Jr. and Kyle Busch and, you know, Jeff Gordon, all these Hall of Famers. But this is a unique time for Hendrick Motorsports that they have all four of their drivers for the first time ever, either at their prime of their careers or just starting to enter the prime of their careers. This is a really unique time for Hendrick. It is. You got, you got a young powerhouse championship team, you know what I mean? And it ain't going anywhere. For a long, long time, and uh, they're all, all all those guys, those four drivers, those four teams, that organization. Uh, you know, that's that's championship caliper team right there, and and you know, and either you know, it's like who's our champion going to be this 2022? It's probably one of those four guys. You know what I mean? It's just uh, like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and. Uh, and it's kind of an interesting situation. And, uh, but man, I, I think uh, it's going to be in place for a long, long time. Like yeah. you said, uh, last thing on this one, Dominic, before we move on, usually in these powerhouse teams, we always talk about one team being the, 
the weaker link of some sorts that isn't with the other ones that, I mean, it's hard to have four contending cars here. When, when you look at these four drivers and the teams that are around them going forward, do you think, Dom, that all four drivers are championship caliber? Can they all four win championships down the road? Or do you think it's just two or just three of them? What, what do I, say you? I think three come to mind right away. I think William Byron, Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson have clearly done it. Byron's won championships at the lower level. Alex Bowman certainly had a different climb to where he got. But that's the thing with Alex Bowman. If he can put together a consistent year, because he won four races last year, but there were just so many mishaps. And I think we had talked about it on the show last year, too. It seemed like he was the quote-unquote weakest link of the four, but still running in the top ten consistently. But still a lot of issues plagued him from not even being in the championship four race last year. So based on that, I would say those three. But, hey, Alex Bowman's still a young guy, so there's still plenty of room to get better and better. And it seems like that's what's happening here. But as of right now, I would say Byron over – Alex Bowman. And that's just because of the consistency factor we've seen the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I think you're right about that. Uh, as far as that goes, it kind of reminds me in football terms, guys of, uh, you know, we, we have all these great young quarterbacks right now in the NFL, you know, with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Well, in NASCAR right now, they have the full, they have all four of the young franchise quarterbacks at Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, that's that, that's what we're talking about in comparison of what, what's going on right now. It's a real special time there for Hendrick. Uh, what else is going on, Dollar? Yeah, so from one team to another, teams with humbling, humble beginnings, making the Daytona 500 for the first time. The money team, Adam Stern of the Sports Business Journal is reporting that the money team is now eyeing the Circuit of the Americas race in March as their next race, potentially tabbing Kaz Grala back behind the wheel. So they made the 500. They raced their way in on a dramatic last lap transfer position against him versus J.J. Ailey. They make the 500. It looks like their next race potentially could be next month as well. Kaz behind the wheel again. Again, another accomplished road racer of some sorts. Kaz Grala could get the job done again for that team. David, uh, Cass Grala, uh, a guy that's done well on uh, on road courses in the past, uh, that could be a good showing for uh, Floyd Weather's team in just their second race. And good for Cass, you know, uh, to have an opportunity racing cup with, uh, you know, uh, with this new money team. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think he's doing them a great job. He did them a great job. Put them in the Daytona 500. That's a big deal. Circus of America, uh, Dakota. Uh, you know that's that's a that's a smart move right there because Kaz gets around that track really really well. He's a great red racer, and uh, man, why not? I think it's wonderful, and uh, you know I think it's a great partnership with the driver and the team, and um, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm glad it's going well for him. Yeah, yeah, um, that'd be great to see. Uh... Kaz, Dominic, this is a guy that's been grinding. I mean, he uh, he's earned this opportunity here. He certainly has. He made his second Daytona 500. He's run five cup races, two top ten finishes. He has shown time and time again. He gets limited opportunities, but kind of like that super several. I think of Matt Flynn in the NFL 10 years ago. That super several, you throw him in and he's going to do great. Or like Alex Bowman from a few years ago, or Regan Smith, that super several. Kaz Grahl has kind of taken on that role over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And uh, uh, I believe that's it for news and notes this week. Uh, that is. 
Yeah, now, and, now uh, Tyler, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. You got to remind me, what's it called again? Uh, ask uh, Dominic. Oh, no, that don't sound right. It sounds familiar, but I, I think it's, it's, it's made a little better than that. Uh, I asked ask, uh, ask, ask Tyler. Ask Tyler. Uh, no, Isn't that the segment? No one wants to ask me anything. You know, no, I don't have anything important to say. No, time for Ask David. We ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash David Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and by email, David Star Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, the uh, first question in the inbox this week comes from Buddy. And uh, Buddy wants to know, David, how many wins will Kyle Larson get this year? Well, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win, uh, you know, five or six races, you know, uh, and maybe more. I mean, you know, man, that guy was on fire last year. He couldn't lose. And, um, you know, our our champion for 2021, I, I'd had to say, six or seven races myself. What about you guys? I'll be curious to see what, how many races you think he'll win. I feel like 10 wins is going to be hard to pull off again, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere between five to eight wins. Kyle Larson can show he can do it on all kinds of racetracks, and I know he has a lot more eyes on him, probably a lot more pressure as the Cup Series defending champion, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see at least four to five. Maybe but let me say wins. this, Dominic. We got a different type of race car, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I still think Kyle Larson is going to come to the front, uh, uh, even with this new next gen race car. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch and see how it all turns out. But man, he's a champion, you know, and have an organization like Hendrick Motorsports behind you. And, uh, but yeah, I'm excited for what I think he's going to win six, seven races this year. What about you, Tyler? What's your thoughts, buddy? Uh, I think five or six is probably a good number. I mean, it's – is he capable of winning 10 again? I mean, yes, but realistically, that's hard to replicate. I think about five or six would be a really good year for Kyle Larson. And and uh, the, the other thing I would add to that, David, you know, we've always known that Kyle is a terrific talent, but what made it work this year was not only Hendrick Motorsports but Cliff Daniels. Cliff Daniels did a really good job with that team this past year. And some of the calls that he made, some of those wins were because of calls he directly made. Those were Cliff Daniels' wins. So to me, I, I think that, David, this is the next great crew chief pairing. You know, uh, Kyle Larson and, and Cliff Daniels have a lot of wins in their future, I think. Man, I, I think you guys are right about that. You know, why would you break up that championship caliber pairing? You know what I mean? But yeah, they uh, they're all young and uh, it's going to be around for a long time. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot more championships from this Hendrick group with Cal Larson and his crew chief, no doubt. All right, um, got another question. Uh, this one comes from Anna. This is a funny one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, th this one goes a little bit here, so stay with me here. All right. Uh, Anna wants to know, David, uh, my friend's wedding is coming up, and I'm struggling with the idea of buying her a gift. Normally, I wouldn't think twice about it, but here's the thing. They're already married, and they're just now having the ceremony. They've been married for two years. Am I wrong for not wanting to give my friend a wedding gift? <laughs> uh wow dude uh, uh 
uh, <laughs> man, yeah, you know, I don't know, man. I, I just think we're all friends. You know, if you guys got married two years ago, we're just now celebrating, you know, I'm going to have to get you a wedding gift. You know what I mean? Cause hell, I, we're buddies, you know what I mean? We're friends, you know? And, uh, you know, even though Dominic got married last year, we ain't celebrated yet. You know, he still needs some pots and pans, you know, and, and a vacuum cleaner, you know, so he can keep the house clean for his wife. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know how to really answer that, but for me personally, if, if, you know, if one of you guys got married two years ago, then COVID hit and we couldn't have a big ceremony. And then man, one day we need to celebrate this, you know, this, this wedding, uh, uh, you know, I, I would thank everybody that didn't show up the first time because there was no celebration, you know, two years later, there needs to be a celebration. Hell, you know, there's, these people going to be upset. You invite a hundred, 200 people come to a celebration and ain't nobody brought a gift, man. That's tough, man. I was like, where's the love? Nobody loves me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think you guys would be upset if, uh, if, you know, uh, Tyler and Dominic be upset with us if uh, he got married, you know, we go another year and he finally has a ceremony and, and we, we don't show up with gifts, buddy. He might, we might hurt his feelings. What do you think, Dom? What's your take? Well, I think David's on to something there. Yeah, if you've been invited and they're doing the ceremony, yeah, maybe it's a good thing to celebrate. I have a friend who actually got married during the pandemic and they celebrated their wedding last year. And while I couldn't attend, I was still able to send them off a gift through the mail. So I don't know if that helps with that, Anna, but yeah, I, that's funny, Dave. I'm not married yet, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> man, we, you wouldn't, you may not, me and Tyler, man, how we thought, we, and you've been married for about six months now. Haven't <laughs> might as well be at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it might as well be. So we, we're going to send a present when we have the celebration. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's with. your guys' nickname for her, Miss Dominic? <laughs> uh, yeah, Miss Dominic. Miss Dominic, awesome. yeah. D D David, uh, what's the, what was the best wedding gift you got? Man, you know, it, it was just, I think the best wedding gift was just uh, uh, just all the love that was there when we, when I got married, you know what I mean? We, you know, we talk about weddings and, you know, your friends come, your families come, just all the love, you know, that somebody would actually come to your wedding. Uh, you know, you have such a good friendship and family members that, you know, I, I just felt like, on my wedding day, it went by so quick. It was awesome. We had a lot of people there, but it was just a lot of love and atmosphere. It was just cool, you know, and, and uh, I think the gift to me was uh, not, not a gift that you open up and you're going to use in your, in your, in your life. I just think the friendships and the, the friendships and the people that came and family members, you know, I think that was the ultimate gift. And, uh, and then marrying my wife was really, the, I guess the, the biggest gift I could ever want, you know, that's a good answer. Very yeah. smart, man. Yeah. Um, got another question, uh, in the inbox. Uh, this comes from Jimmy. Um, Jimmy wants to know, David, how many piercings do you have? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> If you, you know, if you know my dad and, uh, you know, how Johnny and Jimmy and myself and, you know, my uncle, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we really don't have, there's nothing wrong with piercings, but, uh, you know, we were kind of, we grew up 
kind of the old school way, you know, and, and, uh, no tattoos either. No, there was no tattoos, no, uh, no piercings. And, and, uh, you Dominic, know, a lot of he's my, got that piercing for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. Dominic does, but well, I'll tell you, you know, guys, well, that's what happens when you, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Yeah, well, we, me and me and Tyler try not to get involved in stupid stuff. You know, we don't have to do stupid things. You know, but but uh, uh, the way I was raised, man, you know, my best friend, you know, he had earrings in both his ears. You know, and and my dad let me know real quick, you know, how how it was going to be if I was still living under his roof and uh, all the racing we did and everything. He uh. He's just kind of old school, and you kind of guys know how kind of old school goes. You know, my my dad always said, you know, earrings are for women. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know, and, and he would probably twist it out of my ear. You know, but anyway, I was just, you know, uh, piercings are awesome. Uh, lots of friends with them all over their bodies. You know, I don't judge anybody. I think they're cool, but for me personally, I have none. You know, look at, I mean, Tyler, look at our best buddy. Dominic, hell, he's got a piercing right in his nose or his mouth, whatever. I don't remember where he has it at, you know, but uh, we still love him. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you make bets you think you could win and you take a high-stakes bet. And uh, Yeah, what can I say? It makes for a funny story, though. So, well, Dominic, we know you got piercings, but what about Tyler? We don't know about <laughs> Tyler. You know, I don't have any piercings. Uh Dominic almost talked me in one time to, to get my nipple pierced, but I didn't do it. You, you were driven by money. We were with a group of friends in Daytona. For years they offered me $400 to get my nipple pierced, and we were just about to do it. This is in Daytona about two or three years ago. We were just about to do it, and the, uh, the, the piercing uh, place was closed. Thank uh, God. Thank God. <laughs> so I write him a letter, it. tell him thank you for being closed. I was fixing to be stupid, and I uh, ended up not because y'all were closed. So thank right. you. Right. Um, I'm not opposed to tattoos either. I just haven't found the one thing I want in my body for the rest of my life. You know, I mean, that's where I'm. At. I'd like to have a tattoo, but when I'm when I'm ready for it to wash off, I want it to wash off, and and it. You know, so, you know, it's like there's some beautiful, sexy, cool tattoos out there. Some of my buddies' arms are all tatted up. They're freaking awesome. But, you know, I, I, uh, I uh, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I love tattoos, but I just don't want any myself. <laughs> I know what you mean. I can appreciate the artwork behind it. I'm sure you can too, Dave, but yeah, I'm the same way. I haven't found anything yeah. that I want on my body. Yeah. Not really the biggest fan of them, but I can appreciate their work and, and what goes into that process. I love tattoos so much, guys. I, I once went to a tattoo convention, walked around there. I was there all day long and just I was so intrigued by it, you know what I mean? And, and you would have thought, you know, people say, hey, well, show us what you have. And <laughs> you, when you say, man, I have none, you know, I'm saying, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Were you tempted uh, at all during that convention, like maybe to get something? What's that? During that convention, were you? Like, did it all cross your mind? Hmm, maybe I should leave here with something. Like they were doing it. Uh, never crossed my mind, dude. <laughs> that, no, uh, maybe, maybe I'll get you guys' names uh, tattooed on me. You know. Oh man, Tyler, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a very sweet gesture, Tyler, but yeah, you don't have to do that. Okay, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. That's good to hear. Very flattered you would think of that, though. 
you, need to save, you need to save that for your future wife, man, whatever her name's going to be. Okay. 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 All right. I'll, I'll remember that one. I'll keep that in memory. <laughs> uh, before we go, uh, David, uh, tell the folks uh, about uh, what you got going on with the racing school this week. And, and uh, now you're, you're taking this over from your uncle now, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, Team Texas High Performance uh, Racing School, which has been going on a long time at Texas Motor Speedway. And, and uh, now uh, you're overseeing it. And, uh, and if people were wanting to hop in a race car, there's plenty of opportunities to get signed up and get on out to Texas Motor Speedway throughout the year. And my new slogan is, Come fill the speed, drive a real NASCAR race car. You know what I mean? TeamTexas.com, you know. What's cool about our sport is, uh, you know, my buddies at the Dallas Cowboy, you know, I'm a big, big Cowboy fan, Dak Prescott, and just, you know, all the Cowboys. Uh, man, I go to the awesome AT&T Stadium, our Cowboy Stadium, and, uh, man, it's awesome, and, Man, I want to get out there and put on some shoulder pads and play a little football. Well, that that's never going to happen, you know what I mean? But, man, all our awesome fans around the country, they can go to any racetrack across the country here, jump in a NASCAR race car, and if a lot of those fans are here at the Texas Motor Speedway, you know, they know they can call up, you know, go to teamtexas.com, sign up for a class, come drive a race car with, uh, with you know, nine other people around them. You get a slower race car passes a – uh, a faster race car passes a slower car. It's the closest you can get to being in a NASCAR race, but you're not in a NASCAR race as you can get, you know, and uh, it's pretty awesome. Uncle Mike built Team Texas High Performance Driving School uh, the last 30 years, and and uh, I'm so proud of it. It's, uh, you know, I've been, we've been racing our whole lives, and this has been this business that Mike uh, uh, started and perfected uh you know now me and kilm are the are the owners and uh man i'm excited about it you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna be a nascar driver hopefully another five or ten years who knows when but you know it, it's only natural that we uh you know that uh that we kept our uh, our team texas high performance nascar school going it's awesome school uh, and uh, we got real nascar race cars and man it's uh I love seeing the people that come to our racing school, man. They jump, they get out, they're hollering and screaming and they get a different perspective, but man, it's, it's a joy. I enjoy And, uh, I'm glad to be, uh, the owner of it now. Yeah. Teamtexas.com for a more information there. Uh, big weekend coming up this Sunday. And if, uh, you can't get out to Texas motor speedway this weekend, there's plenty of dates in June, in uh, July, August, September, uh, TeamTexas.com has uh, more information there for that. Uh, also, uh, guys, uh, we, we told you last week uh, that we kind of teased an announcement of sorts that I was moving to Dallas, and I wanted to just provide a little more detail in case folks didn't know what was going on. What's going uh, on, be, Tyler? I hear all this talk. What's, what, why are you moving to Dallas? What's going on, dude? Yeah, we hear, we hear all this chat, yeah. chatter, right, David? It's like all Just the stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's going yes. on, man? So chat would be a very good word, yeah. Just smoking uh, cigars on the beach and, and living up this great life. And, you know, I'm like, man, something big's happening. Hell, Tyler's, you know, he's traveling in the country and spending that and then Nashville and, Hanging out in Jack Daniels' house and doing all this stuff, man. I know. D- 
David, he's got to chat with us. Chat with us, Tyler. What's going on? Chat with yeah. the, the audience, too. Well, uh, I'm excited uh, to officially announce that uh, I will be taking my talents to Dallas, Texas, beginning March 7th. I'll be joining Chat Sports as an NFL host and analyst and uh, making the move out there. Dream job opportunity, couldn't pass up. And so I'll be leaving Omaha in uh, just the next few days, actually, just, you know, pack up my apartment and get on the road and, you know, be uh, be neighbors with David. And so that'll, uh, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity for my career wise and, and certainly excited about that. But for this show, we're going to be able to do things we haven't been able to do before. And uh, that's going to certainly open up some doors and, you know, me and David being down the street from each other is going to be great. And, and uh, they will work more hands-on in this podcast and such. I mean, it's just a win-win for all parties involved. So, you know, I mean, you know, on a personal note too, I, uh, you know, being from Tulsa, you know, I, we grew up going to the Metroplex all the time. You know, Dallas has always been a second home for me. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I took classes at SMU one summer and, and stayed in the dorms, you know. I mean, um, it's always felt home. And so even though I'm not going – back to Tulsa this feels like I'm coming home um and so you know this just makes sense for everybody involved it's you know this is a dream job opportunity you know, covering the NFL full-time this show is not going anywhere my other show the Jones Report which has been around since 2011 is going to continue and and uh you know if anything all this is just going to get better so uh so that was the big news we announced it a couple of days ago on social media and First time I had a chance to talk about it in depth publicly with you guys, but uh, definitely excited for what's ahead and and uh, glad that we get to continue doing this show and if anything, just enhance it from here. Happy for you, Tyler. So happy for you. You did say something that sounded a little concerning and you said you were going to be David's neighbor just down the road. I apologize in advance, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, buddy, congratulations. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's more passionate about the NFL than Tyler Jones, and um, I, I think, uh, you know, that you're going to be a big asset for this organization, and, uh, and uh, man, welcome to Dallas, Texas, dude. I, I think uh, I think you're really going to love it, and uh, and, and I'm, I'm super proud of you, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, your future is going to be bright. I hope these people can hang on to you because everybody else is wanting you, so I just hope they don't take you out of Dallas, Texas, you know what I mean? But, uh, but congratulations to you. Glad to have you here, man. It's going to be cool. You got yeah. a lot of fun out there, man. Live it up for us. I'm so happy for you. So excited. You're going to have a lot of fun and can't wait to hear some of the stories you get to share with, not only with us, but with the podcast listeners as well. Yeah, yeah it'll be great. And, uh, you know, be in the fourth largest market in the U S and, you know, down the road from Texas motor speedway and, you know, I mean, just the, the entertainment of, you know, one night you know, go to a Mavericks game or, Next night, go see the stars, you know, and and, and just have stuff to do. I mean, it, it's going to be great. And the next chapter I've been looking forward uh, in my career and certainly uh, going to be great for all of us. And so I, I thank everybody that's reached out and it uh, certainly means a lot. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be giving more updates in the coming days with all means like, but it'll be here in less than two weeks. Uh, March 7th is when I make that official move. So. Well, and you got to awesome. clarify real quick, Tyler. Are you talking the Dallas Stars or the Frisco Stars? Uh, the uh, Dallas Stars, yes. Oh, not, not the Frisco Stars? Okay. No, no, not, not those stars. No. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, Dominic, what's going on with you, man? 
Hey, we got a team out at Auto Club Speedway this weekend. Hey, shout out to Justin Melillo, Jonathan Fell helping Daytona 500 coverage this weekend. We'll have Jonathan on site for us. And Fontana, Amanda Montoya always shoots photos for us at the California race. We're looking forward to seeing the content they provide us this week. We'll continue to cover the sport, enterprise stories, and cover the breaking news that's happening around NASCAR. So it's a week got going on. And Tyler, a few minutes ago, you were plugging David's Team Texas School but you're going to have your hand in that this week. I think everybody deserves a listen on what you're doing out there this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be doing uh, some social media and uh, just trying to do some content creation stuff uh, at the racing school. So just doing what I can to be involved and, and help out and, and uh, see this all firsthand. So uh, excited to be down there with David and Kim and Mark Tate and company and should be good. So uh, for more information, log on to a team, Texas, That does it for episode 56 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. We'll be right back here next week as we'll recap the weekend from Auto Club in California. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Wednesday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. You can also find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash David Starr Podcast, Twitter at Starr Podcast, and by email, davidstarpodcast.gmail.com. We are a part of the Studio Soapbox Network. Uh, this show, my show, the Jones Report, and uh, others, uh, just search Studio Soapbox wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out uh, all of our shows on the network for more information there. Put the checkered flag out in this show. David Starr and Dominic Carver got on top of Jones. Thank you so much. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. See you next week.